Welcome to Right Now Workshop Podcast, where you can write a book and change the world. I'm your host, Kitty Buholtz, and this is episode 76, Burnout, Getting Through to the Other Side, coming to you on Tuesday, June 12th, 2018. Now, if you've been listening, you know that I have been struggling with trying to find my peace and joy. I thought I was just tired from moving, and I am. <laughs> uh, but let me tell you one fabulous piece of awesome good news. Um, God has answered our prayers in a huge way, and we are about to go sign a lease on a lovely brand new apartment. So super excited. It looks like there's a really good chance I'm about ready to move into a home of my own for the first time in a while, and I'm super duper excited. It'll be completely empty. Everything that goes up on the walls, every stick of furniture, every kind of dish that we eat off of, every everything is going to be totally up to me and John, and um, I'm super duper excited. It may take us months and months <laughs> to do a whole lot of shopping paycheck by paycheck, but um, I am just so relieved. Now, that is a big relief coming off the back of me getting around to looking up the word burnout and seeing what does that mean? I wonder if it has anything to do with how I'm feeling because over the last few weeks in particular, but this has been a growing problem that I have been semi-aware of and mostly ignoring because I felt like I just did not have a minute and a half to devote to figuring out if there was anything inside of my thinking that needed to change or anything inside of my heart that needed to change, I was really focused on changing my circumstances, a lot of circumstances. Um, my husband works in the entertainment industry, so we move a lot for his job. Thank you, God. He just got a permanent job. If everything goes well, we are here for a while, and I'm super duper excited about that. But some of the other things that have been real stressors are over the course of time, I think maybe because of lots and lots of moving over the last 7 to 12 years, um, my career has just gone molasses in January speed. And if you don't know what that means, if you lived in you know, any cold country and you tried to turn molasses containers upside down so it would trip out, it just wouldn't. That's the whole point, is that it would take forever to, for something thick to be able to um, drip out of a container during a colder time of the year. So molasses in January is nothing feels like it's moving. And I really thought that that was probably due to all the moving, and it may well be, but I was still trying to figure out how can I make this work despite all the moving? How can I um, just keep pressing, just keep going? As Dory says, just keep swimming. <laughs> and I thought that that was what I needed to do. I felt like that was the advice that I was getting from other people, other writers, um, other entrepreneurs. And when I was, you know, reading my Bible, looking for wisdom, motivation, inspiration, whatever it is that I, you know, look for every day, um, I felt like I was reading stuff there that was like, yep, just keep on working. For instance, in Proverbs 14, 23, it says, all hard work brings a profit, but mere talk leads only to poverty. Well, that was part of my business plan. Lots of hard work. Don't do a whole lot of just like talking about something I'm going to do. Just do it. Figure out how to do it. Learn it. I've spent a lot of years learning how to be an online entrepreneur between um, writing and selling books, marketing books, 
trying to figure out how advertising works as opposed to how it doesn't work for books. Um, trying to figure out how I can spend money and make money rather than just spend money uh, when it comes to the books. And then also, you know, I teach a lot of classes, online classes, in person, etc. And now I start, started the podcast six months ago. So there was a lot of things that I needed to figure out um, how to do it, uh, how to do it well, but not spend a ton of money, what to do when I bought a cheap product that turned out that it didn't work, and I'd wasted time and money and now needed to buy a more expensive product. You know, there's a lot of time that I spent learning things. I spent a lot of money taking classes on trying to learn how to do things better. And what happened? Every single year, I spent more money than I made. Now, my earnings were going up for a while. The last couple of years, it's been too much moving and not enough uh, me being able to sit down and do the work I needed to do um, so that earnings have actually decreased the last probably two or so years but every single year I have spent more money than I have made that year and there's a you can you can take that for a while um, particularly if you've ever been to business school which is my background so I have a bachelor's in uh, business administration I spent 15 plus years doing different kinds of accounting finance that sort of thing in multiple industries um, so I totally got the idea that it takes a while for a business to start showing a profit um, up to five years or so is not abnormal and so I was like okay I got to the five-year mark and I'm like well at least I'm making more money every year that's good um, and then started going down after that because of stuff. And uh, then I just started getting more and more depressed every time I did the next year's taxes um, to see just how bad it was. And it started getting to the point where I was telling myself in tears and then, you know, at some point not being able to hold it in and, and saying to my husband, we would have been so much better off financially if for the last 12 months I had sat on the couch and watched soap operas and ate cookies, we would have had more money. We had, would have had more money than the multiple, um, gosh, you know, I would say I probably rarely worked, you know, less than 40 hours in a week. And I'm talking about weeks that I'm not on vacation or something. But I, I always felt like I was working almost all the time. Um, except for times when I really was trying to focus on taking at least one day off. I would take either Saturday or Sunday off. Um, I was working five, six days a week, you know, sometimes 10, 12, 14, 16 hours in a day, kind of depended on, you know, what project I was working on and what kind of deadline I had for it. Um, so working massive amounts of hours, um, usually, or at least a lot, like what would be the average number, no more than, or no less, that's what I'm trying to say, no less than the average number of hours for somebody who had a full-time job and still not seeing anything. So the combination of being tired and um, really beginning to feel the strain of more money going out than coming in finally kind of caught up to me by the time we made this move. And I knew, we knew, John and I had been talking, like I was going to really need to take a vacation when we moved here. As soon as we were done with the moving, and I'm the paperwork girl, so out of all the things that need to be done when we move, um, I do probably 80, 80 to 90% of all the paperwork and that sort of thing. Uh, so we were like, okay, you're going to do what you need to do to get us to Sweden. 
and then you're going to take a break. Well, let me just tell you, there's a whole lot more paperwork in Sweden than there ever was in New Zealand or Australia or the, all the many times that we would go back to the United States and have to do, you know, some paperwork for that. Um, and not complaining, it's just that it's a lot more. Like it's been eight weeks since we moved here and I still have a list of more paperwork that needs to be done. Um, so there was not really much of a stop and have a vacation place for me. And at some point that really hit my conscious mind. I'm never going to get a break. And I think I just broke. Um, and sometimes I think that there are times trying not to say something that it turns out I'm just wrong. But in my mind, how I feel is there are times when I think that us breaking or us getting sick is not only a result of all the things that we have pushed ourselves through physically and mentally over a period of time, but it's also the only way that whether you think of it as God or the universe or nature can get us to stop long enough so that we can be fixed. So I found myself in a place where I could not put two thoughts together about anything that I liked, let alone loved. I didn't know what I wanted to do with myself. Um, mostly I didn't want to do anything and I didn't care. And I was like, I feel depressed sometimes, but I don't feel depressed all the time. So I'm sure it's not depressing, uh, depression because like I'm super excited to have moved to Sweden. We see all these wonderful things and we take all these fabulous pictures and we walk up to all these wonderful places and we've met so many fabulous people. And there was lots of times I was really happy, but then there were times when mostly, and it took me a little while to figure out, it's when I started thinking about work and work meaning for me, writing, teaching, podcasting, um, considering whether or not I was going to get an outside job. When those things would come to mind, then I would have a variety of physical symptoms. Um, my neck and shoulders would just get tight as steel. I would have such a headache. I wouldn't hardly be able to turn my head. My neck hurt so bad. Um, sometimes I would feel like I was going to throw up. Um, I just felt kind of, that was like all of a sudden in that moment, I felt the same way as you might feel if you're depressed. And so at some point it finally occurred to me, I should look up burnout. And when I did, I felt like they should have put a picture of me next to it. Um, so even though what we do, particularly if you're listening from a Western country and um, if you're from the United States and you know anybody from the Midwest or you're from the Midwest, Midwesterners are just sort of born and bred to work hard. That's what we do. We're trained from the crib that, uh, that you work. You, um, you really apply yourself to everything that you do and you put your most into it and your best into it. And um, I'm not sure that anybody ever explained anything to, to me or anyone I know who's from the Midwest that sometimes you have to take a break like for more than five minutes. Um, so as I was trying to figure out, you know, is burnout something that I am struggling with? Like, is that the problem? Because if I can figure out what the problem is, then I can figure out what I need to do to heal. So I looked up, of course, on Google. Thank you, God, for the internet. <laughs> um, and I found an article from Psychology Today. Now, I'll put links to everything that I mention in the show notes. So um, anytime that you want uh, you know, you might want to save this episode for a time that you need to listen to it again. You might need to 
have some some way to save it for in case you need to send it to a friend or whatever. But uh, in the show notes, which will be at podcast.rightnowworkshop.com and then scroll and look for episode 70, 76. I'll have links to all the articles that I mentioned. So this one from Psychology Today is the telltale, telltale signs of burnout. Do you have them? And it says, what is burnout? Burnout is a state of chronic stress. I understand that. That leads to physical and emotional exhaustion, cynicism and detachment, and feelings of ineffectiveness and lack of accomplishment. And I was like, wow, I have all of those, all six of those. Now under those uh, six items, there's two on each bullet point, and then under... Um, under each little pair, there are some more sub-bullet points. So what are the signs of burnout? Well, when it comes to physical and emotional exhaustion, it's chronic fatigue, insomnia, forgetfulness, and impaired concentration and attention. Uh, it may start with lack of focus and mild forgetfulness, and then later it may get to the point where you can't even get your work done and everything just begins to pile up. And I'm thinking, oh my gosh, I had a lot of that, and that's lasted for a long time. Uh, physical symptoms may include chest pain, heart palpitations, shortness of breath, breath gastrointestinal pain, dizziness, fainting, headaches. Um, you know, a lot of that stuff may also be having to do with other things, but those can be some of the physical signs. Uh, increased illness, and we all know that the more overworked we get, the more likely we're going to succumb to a cold or the sniffles or the flu or whatever. Loss of appetite. It says loss of appetite on here. For me, it would be emotional eating, which is I don't have an appetite, but I think that these cookies will make me feel better and this chocolate and that brownie and that entire bag of salt and vinegar potato chips, which I ate a bag of chips in two days. Um, that's not really like me. I mean, it was delicious and I thought it was making me feel happy, but you know, not, not so good. Uh, as well as uh, anxiety, depression, anger. I, it's hard because, um, you know, sometimes I don't want to be quite that transparent, but because I wouldn't be podcasting if I didn't think that there was somebody out there that I was helping, um, then I'm only really helping if I tell you how I really feel and how I felt and how I'm getting through it because that's why we share things, right? So I will tell you that probably for the last two or three years, I felt like I understood what the Incredible Hulk was saying when he was in uh, the Avengers movie and people were asking him, how do you control your anger? How do you control your anger? And um, eventually, right before he went and fought this ginormous alien from the sky, he said, um, the key is that I'm always angry. And I was like, my gosh, that's me. I'm always angry. Like I seem so happy and cheerful. And and yet, it's just, um, it's uncomfortably weird feeling like there's like a lava flow underneath. You know, you can't see it on the surface until the volcano blows. But that's how I was feeling for years. Just always kind of ready to just be angry at something. And you could really tell it in the language that I chose to use. Um, got into a lot more swearing and a lot more using words that I tend to really despise and hate to have other people use around me too, but then I would start saying them. And that was something that now looking back, I see it's a sign. Um, and now looking forward, I'll have to keep in mind that um, 
if I start feeling like there's this undercurrent of anger all the time and I'm using foul language a lot more than I normally do, which would normally be not that much. Um, in fact, zero in, for some words <laughs> in, in better times. Anyway, if you know what some of the triggers are for you, that would help. Um, and I, I'll tell you what some of mine have been recently. Um, but also if you can just understand what some of the symptoms might be for you. So if you're a person who's normally very easygoing, but you're angry all the time, doesn't necessarily mean it's burnout. It could have something to do with something else. But all of these things put together, it's definitely something to consider. So um, for me, I'm going to try to be more aware of when I start wanting to say, um, bad words in general. I'm not going to say them because I try to keep my show PG, but um, there, are some bad, there are some swear words that other people don't say that I don't really think is that bad and I use them in conversation and it's not, a, but anything that I think is a bad word and when I use it, that's when I know, wow, something's going on. What's wrong? I need to start asking myself that. Okay, so I apologize. It's going to be a long episode possibly, but it's because I want to help and this is all the information that I've been finding and it has helped me so far. I definitely feel a lot better than before I started doing this research. So I'll try to be a little quicker, but I do want to share with you what I'm finding. Um, so again, back to the Psychology Today article, the signs of cynicism and detachment may include loss of enjoyment, totally had that, pessimism, if you're an optimist and you start acting and saying things that are pessimistic more and more and more, I mean, you definitely need to ask yourself what's going on. It may or may not be burnout, but it's something. So look into that. I am an optimist and I was talking and acting like a pessimist. Isolation. In early stages, this may seem like mild resistance to socializing, not wanting to go out to lunch or closing your door sometimes to keep uh, other people out. But in later stages, you may become angry when someone speaks to you, or you may come in earlier, leave late to avoid interactions. Um, I got to the point where I was lonely for people and did not in any way, shape, or form want to go out, um, either invite other people out, definitely not, and sometimes I just didn't want to go out. Um, Thankfully, most of the time if I just got myself to go out anyway, because maybe it's somebody I don't get to see very often, so I just need to go even though I don't want to go, I would in fact feel better. Um, maybe by the time I got home, I would be back to you know how I was feeling before, but there was at least that half an hour or two hours or whatever when you know being in the company of someone that you like it is a good thing and I did feel better. So if you can sometimes just tell yourself, doesn't matter if I want to go, I'm going to go. And then recognize that you are feeling better when you are with some friends. I think it'll help to um, get your brain to keep making that decision again. Maybe I don't feel like going, but I'm going to go anyway. I'm not talking about going out every night. I'm talking about the difference between choosing to isolate yourself and choosing to just make sure that you keep yourself from isolating yourself. Uh, and then detachment, a general sense of feeling disconnected from others or from the environment. Uh, and then it goes on to explain a little bit more about what detachment may look like. And then signs of ineffectiveness and lack of accomplishment, feelings of apathy and hopelessness, especially if this is not your normal default position as a human being. This was a huge sign for me that there was something wrong, but I didn't know what it was and I didn't know what to do about it. So I was doing nothing about it. 
because I, I didn't know where to start. I didn't know why I was feeling that way. Um, definitely, I felt a lot of apathy and hopelessness, which was really unusual for me. Uh, increased irritability. Now, at my age, I just turned 50, you know, I, I did have some people remind me that there may be reasons for some of these other things. It may seem like I'm irritable and angry and tired and, you know, can't focus and whatever, and it might actually be hormones, and maybe that's true. Maybe that's part of it. Um, but I will say that um, the rest of the sentence here, irritability often stems from feeling ineffective, unimportant, unimportant, useless, and an increasing sense that you're not able to do things as efficiently or effectively as you once did. Wow, that was totally how I was feeling. And then lack of productivity and poor performance uh, during long hours, chronic stress prevents you from being as productive as you once were. And um, yeah, that was, that was also a huge problem for me. So this article really helped me to see um, that burnout was absolutely... <laughs> A problem that I was dealing with at the time. Now that was from Psychology Today and I just wanted to look up and see if anybody was saying anything else. Uh, so I clicked on a link to Wikipedia, again I'll put it in the show notes, uh, to Occupational Burnout is the entry in Wikipedia. And it pretty much goes through, um, in, a, in a shorter, less psychology-based version, kind of goes through some of the same thoughts. Occupational burnout is thought to result from long-term unresolvable job stress. Totally, totally what I was going through. Um, it gets into, um, you know, who first started studying it and the um, additional people who studied it and what they all came up with. And first somebody thought it was this and somebody thought it was that. And then um, it <clears throat> kind of ends with, I mean, the, the introduction kind of ends with the core of those three ideas is exhaustion. Uh, long, limited to these dimensions, burnout is now known to involve the full array of depressive symptoms like low mood, cognitive alterations, and sleep di disturbance. So um, any of those things that, that are applying to you, you can at least ask yourself the question, could it be burnout? You know, how much have I been pushing myself? Now again, for me, looking back in the Bible and trying to figure out, you know, so what's the Bible saying about it? Um, there's, it's kind of, I don't know, funny, sad, interesting that a lot of the verses that I was looking up in the concordance, kind of the, the dictionary of where you can find things in the Bible, or index of where you can find things in the Bible, um, from Proverbs 13, 12, it says, hope deferred makes the heart sick but a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. And even though I did feel like I was definitely having the hope deferred part, you know, for seven plus years, because uh, my first book came out almost seven years ago at the time that I'm recording this in June 2018, uh, about six and a half years ago, I just kept telling myself, it's okay, you know what, it's coming, it's coming, it's coming. But definitely... Um, I was looking for the longing fulfilled, but it wasn't coming, and I just had hope deferred all the time, it felt like. Um, and then Proverbs 15, 13 says, A happy heart makes the face cheerful, but heartache crushes the spirit. And I was thinking, yep, yep, that's how I feel too. And in Proverbs 17, 22, it says, A cheerful heart is good medicine, but a crushed spirit dries up the bones. 
So basically what I was looking at is that lots of other people before me, thousands of years before me, have felt this way, have gone through these things and have tried to figure out, you know, what do I do now? This is how I feel and how am I going to get through it? So of course, in Google, I went back to uh, another Psychology Today article and I was trying to figure out um, what do I do now? <laughs> so there was a link from the first one that what are the signs of burnout to another one that's called overcoming burnout 10 steps to reignite your flame and shine brightly once more. So I'm just going to give you some ideas in general. It says uh, if you've become a victim of burnout, here are some steps you can take. Uh, take an inventory make a list of all the situations that cause you to feel stressed, anxious, worried, frustrated, and helpless. Uh, and then that goes on with some more helpful tips there. Next to each item on the inventory, write down at least one way to modify the situation to reduce its stress. Now this is something that I've talked about a lot in my time management classes, and I'm not sure if I've talked about it much on the podcast, but almost everything that we think is an obstacle in life, there is some way that we can get through it, get over it, get around it, um, you know, somehow work through. Uh, find another path. If you can't get through that obstacle, you then you find another path. So it may be something like um, carving out 20 minutes a day that's just for you and then deciding what you're going to do with your just for you time. You know, maybe you're going to write because you just want to and not because you're looking at it as a job because that probably, I don't know, I can't see how that will necessarily help you to do more of the thing that's got you burned out because I'm pretty much at this point talking to writers. Uh, but Honestly, I'm sure that this is something that could be helpful to anybody who's an entrepreneur working on your own, you know, often by yourself, but definitely responsible for everything in your business. Um, anyway, but, you know, maybe you're a parent and you just need somebody to take the kids for an hour, um, even once a week, something where you can, you know, read, <laughs> do something that you enjoy that makes you feel better. Um, Anyway, so going back to the overcoming, um, I, I definitely do think that there are ways to reduce the stress in our life, but the point of this particular podcast episode is that I didn't understand how much stress I had allowed to come in and the effects that it was creating in my life that was actually starting to build into kind of a circular cyclonic effect where it was actually making things worse which made things worse which made things worse so i'm trying to help you and help me to figure out how to get out of that cycle of things getting worse uh, again with the uh, overcoming burnout article it says just say no especially while you're recovering try to take try to avoid taking on new commitments and responsibilities Delegate as much as possible. Take breaks between projects, big projects, which is something I have talked about before here and in my classes. Uh, it's definitely something that I feel is important for my um, just mental um, recovery because, you know, you use up an awful lot of energy as you work through the big project of writing a book, editing it, and then getting it published, launched, marketed, um, and then it's good to take some sort of break and just sort of recover all your energy so that you have plenty of energy to go again with the next book, the next project. 
So definitely take breaks between projects. And then this is something that, of course, we talk a lot about. We talk about a lot now in the 21st century. Control your devices, your gadgets, iPads, computers, smartphones, all the things that are taking up your time and energy and aren't necessarily giving you any rest or any energy. Socialize outside your professional group. This is huge. Uh, until I moved to Sweden and moved to a place where I had to make new friends and didn't really know anyone. I knew one person and only sort of. I had met her when we were here for John's interview uh, because she was a friend of a friend in Los Angeles and she was a writer. Well, socialize outside your professional group. So the only person I knew in Sweden was a writer. It was good that I'm super excited that it looks like uh, we're becoming friends. I really like her. She's totally fun and interesting and very upbeat, which, you know, totally works for my personality. I like to have other upbeat friends. But I was like, uh, I probably should make some friends who aren't writers. But every time I meet somebody, if anybody says anything about, oh, you're a writer, I always wanted to write a book, or I've been working on something or whatever, well, of course, immediately I want to be friends with them. So. Um, this is something that I'm going to have to really work on is, uh, you know, I, I met an eye surgeon at church. Maybe I should try to be friends with him and his wife. They don't have to do anything with writing. So it probably would be good for me according to psychology today. <laughs> uh, resist the urge to take work home. This doesn't work if you're an entrepreneur. So you're going to have to find some way to just stop working at some point during the day, evening, whatever. Um, and that's just going to have to be something you and I are both going to have to figure out and just do it, as Nike says. Uh, reinforce effort, not outcome. This is terrible. I totally disagree. Psychologists wrote this, so I should believe them, right? But in my head, in my heart, I'm thinking, what? That's baloney. Reduce effort, not outcome. Um, it, it makes me feel, now see, if you are in a healthy state of mind right now, you're going, Kitty, what's the problem? They're just saying, don't work so hard, but still get things done. Um, yeah, and yet, you know, I'm sitting here going, how could I reduce effort? But that's exactly what got me into this place, is that I was pouring effort, 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 effort into things, wasn't actually getting the outcome that I wanted, not even close to what I wanted. So the idea of reducing effort just seems crazy to me, but it is the thing that has made me unwell, all that effort. So um, <laughs> just being transparent here that I'm still really struggling, even though I've also felt like I've really come a long way in the last week that I've been, you know, studying all these things. Uh, consider a support group. Um, could be a therapeutic group, doesn't have to be, could be professional, doesn't have to be, vent, share ideas, whatever. Uh, well, hopefully, I'm, it's basically saying, you know, find, find people to talk to and find a way to make it work for you. Well, as a matter of fact, what I decided was that um, I was going to write a blog and post it about, you know, this kind of discovery that, oh, I, I think my problem has been burnout. And I posted it on a writer's blog called The Slice of Orange and on my own blog on my website, which I haven't written anything on there for months. Um, and so immediately I got some replies and people either encouraging me or saying, I know what you mean and I, I feel for you. Um, and one of my friends wrote me this delightfully long email telling me how she totally understood and she um, wanted to 
tell me what had worked for her. And she put some of it in the email and just reminded me that she loves me and she's there for me. And, you know, it was fabulous and kind of made me cry. And, um, but then she and I got on a video call today and I'm going to share with you a bunch of the information that she and I were talking about, because I think it would be even more helpful for you to hear from somebody who has, um, struggled with it, overcome it. And then she told me she actually, she had struggled with it again, but then she had some tools to overcome it. And I don't know if she said this, but I got the impression that the second time was much faster and easier to get through again. So this is what my friend Rachel had to say. Now, Rachel has known me for years. So the first couple of things that she said to me were very specific about me, but I really think that, um, Getting some perspective for some from somebody who's been there, you know, could help any of us. So she said, go easy on yourself, let go. And I think that she was saying, let go of all the things that you're trying to do that you think are so important. Just let go of things. Don't hang on to everything so hard. And then I think that this probably applies to just about every writer slash entrepreneur I know. She said, I know you, Kitty. You are probably harder on yourself than anything else. So if you're the hardest on yourself, you're the one who's going to have to let go of that and stop being as hard on yourself. Try not to care so much. She wasn't telling me stop caring about everything you care about. She was saying stop caring so much about the things that make you in, in the end stressed out. Um, when she was talking about her own experience, she was saying that she loves her job but it is full on. Her job is about taking care of other people pretty much from the moment that she walks in the building until the moment that she walks out. So it's constant care for others and looking after them. And she said that she loves it, but when she was spending tons of hours doing it, um, she was feeling some, some, you know, a lot of signs of stress and, and what, she later would realize was burnout, but it wasn't until her back started giving out <clears throat> that she had to force herself to cut back on her hours. And I got the impression that she was saying that very soon after she started cutting back on her hours, she started feeling a lot better. Her back started feeling better. I think that she said that it took her a while for her back to feel 100% better again, but it made me think um, that that definitely sounds stress-related that as soon as you cut back on the things that are causing you stress and you immediately start feeling physically better, then that's different from, you know, say I'm running and I get a running injury. You know, definitely it feels better when I stop running <laughs> and let that injury heal. Um, but if I'm running and I get a running injury and I stop walking to the grocery store to get groceries, you know, that's unrelated to the actual cause of the injury. So we would be then, you know, seeing the coinciding of cause of injury with pain. So if overwork leads to pain in your body, then, you know, there's a pretty good chance that really the overwork is the cause of the pain in your body. I don't know if I'm um, making enough sense with that, but hopefully you're, you're following my, <laughs> my line of thought on that. Um, and she said, when you have to force yourself to do something, stop. That's what she was finding, that um, she just had to tell herself to stop forcing herself to 
you know, do whatever it was that was causing her stress. Now, obviously, there are circumstances in life that are stressful and we just have to get through them. But we're talking the stress that comes from whatever you're doing for a living, your occupational kind of burnout, like the Wikipedia article was talking about. So when you are forcing yourself to work, 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 and you're seeing all these problems, you've got to stop. Um, and she was talking to me about, like, I've been trying to decide, you know, should I still be writing? Should I still be teaching? Should I still be podcasting? I did promise you guys I would definitely keep podcasting through the end of 2018. But at some point, there's going to have to be some reevaluation about the amount of time and money I put into it and, um, you know, whether or not I can at least make it pay for itself. Um, but so she and I were talking about, you know, whether or not I should get a job. Maybe that would make me feel better. There's been some discussion with um, my husband and a couple of other friends that maybe if I were doing something where I had a regular paycheck, I would start feeling better about myself as a contributing member of society and a contributing member of my household. And maybe that would make me feel better. Maybe um, being around other creative people and the only job that I've applied for is a very creative job at a very creative company that I can't imagine how I would not like it. Um, so there's lots to be said for the possibility that maybe that will help with um, decreasing a lot of the stress that I feel about <clears throat> the amount of time that I spend working and feeling like I'm not actually accomplishing anything. You know, I'm, I'm putting out books, I'm teaching classes, I'm doing a podcast, but um, there's a certain amount of, but I, I don't make a living at it. Like I do it full time, but I don't make a living at it. Not even close, honestly, and I hate to be that honest, but it's true. And so there's a certain amount of maybe this is not the right thing that I should be doing if I can't even make enough money to, to have it pay for itself. Um, and a lot of these thoughts are kind of the, the cycling, circling downwards thoughts. So I, I'm not even sure how, um, how much real truth there is into it in, in that sort of um, comparing the amount of time I put in with the amount of money that I make. Um, but... It's something that we have to do, you know, unless you have some other way to uh, pay the rent and eat and buy clothes and, you know, pay for your car or your bus tickets or whatever. I mean, there is a certain amount of we have to do things that earn us money. Um, so how, how do we weigh the one against the other? I, I don't really know yet, but I was doing some, <coughs> excuse me, doing some um, research looking for wisdom in the Bible, because that's kind of my go-to, and um, I was getting quite uncomfortable with how often I was finding verses that had to do with money and um, earning money and that sort of thing, and how I was beginning to realize that I felt about money. Like, I want to earn money. Now, I don't think that love of money... Um, is I think that excessive love of money does us far more harm than good. And the Bible says that, and I agree with it because of my own experience as well as because I tend to believe what I read in the Bible. Um, but what I was also finding is that I don't think that I really realized how much I think about money and how much I want to earn money and earn more money and that I was thinking about money way more than is probably healthy for my spiritual and emotional uh, well-being. 
Um, and that was really uncomfortable. It was not necessarily something that I wanted to learn about myself. I'm glad because now I can think about where and if and how much of a problem that is. Um, but when Rachel was talking about, um, you know, she loved her job. She wanted to work a lot of hours. And so she started doing it and then it was too much. And I loved loved in the past tense, but I hope to love again <laughs> my job. And I wasn't making money, so I was pushing myself harder and harder and harder. And so the desire to earn a living from my writing was becoming a bigger and bigger and bigger stress. As I mentioned, every time I did the taxes every year, I would be even more stressed than the year before, just seeing that there seemed to be um, no turnaround. It, it wasn't going up. I wasn't seeming to make any progress. Uh, so anyway, when I was just, you know, this is an aside off of Rachel's comments, but when I was reading in the Bible and reading about, because um, I was like, you know what, let me go and look for all the verses that talk about money and talk about work. And um, they weren't always talking about money and work in the same sentence. Um, really got me thinking, you know, yes, we need to use our gifts in this world and participate in the good of the world. Uh, and we need to live. <laughs> um, but I think that maybe the line between those two things is not always an exact straight line. So I'll just leave it at that. You can think about it, decide if it has any meaning for you or if you want to think about it more. But it's definitely something that's um, holding some meaning for me, realizing that there's a ton of times that I have had the provision that I needed to live and do this or that without it coming from the money that I earned. So that's something to think about. Either God does provide or he doesn't. <laughs> and you need to decide what you believe and where he's personally leading you. Okay, so, so whether or not I do or don't get a job, Rachel's like, don't worry about it. Whatever it is that you really love in life, you will come to it or come back to it, whichever thing it is. You know, if you never write again, but you're happy because you found something else that you love to do, you will find time, despite having a full-time job, to do the thing that you love to do. And if you, and this is what I think will happen, if you find that um, something else is going to take you away from the writing, say like getting a, a full-time job, and then you start relaxing and feeling better and healing from the, the burnout and the stress, and then the joy and the desire to write returns, and you will just find time to do it just like everybody else who has some other job, and yet they find time and make time. And it's really make time. You're looking for the time because you're trying to make there to be time for you to write. So, you know, whether it's writing or for her it might be baking, she was talking about trying out painting, and she's like, even if you have to do it at 20 minute spurts, um, she's like, it probably doesn't sound like very much to you, but you know, you can get work done. And I'm like, yeah, I could probably get at least a couple pages written if I was like, this is the only 20 minutes I have. I have to just sit down and write right now. And I've done that before. I wrote at least one book, um, at least, while I had a full-time job. And she was talking about that there's a, a big lesson in letting go in a different way. Um, like when your life circumstances change, letting go of the old way that you did things and being willing to accept that there's a new, a new way to do things now. And then she reminded me, it won't last forever. 
it will pass and you have to remember that you have to keep it in mind so she said try not to dwell on the hard parts you have to look after yourself and she said that so many times kitty you've got to look after yourself and take care of yourself and give yourself time because it's not just gonna like blow over and be done and then now you're totally healthy and well again and you can just go back to your old ways it's not the way it's gonna work so that's the advice from somebody who's been through it um, a couple of times and I get the impression that she, now she has a much better idea of what to look for in herself so that she can not go through it again. Now, from a spiritual perspective, uh, it's important for me to find out, you know, where can I find wisdom from God about how to handle anything in life? But definitely when I have a big problem that I've never encountered before, and I have no experience on which to fall back and find answers and go, oh, I know how to handle this. Or I, I bet I, I bet this is how you do it or whatever. Um, I really have to, I really have to start doing some homework and trying to figure things out, which again has led to this episode with all the all the different information that I've been providing. Uh, that I found. Um, so you know if you've been listening for a while that I've been searching for my lost joy and peace a lot. I've been doing a lot of searching, trying to figure out where did I lose it. Uh, sort of like um, I had this great pair of Adidas running gloves uh, and they were the exact right weight for the weather that I lived in. And um, one day I was out running and I got all warmed up and I took off my gloves and somewhere along the way I lost one glove. And I was at a um, like a resort, and I went back down over the exact path that I had been on. But probably the person who cleans the the, the streets and paths and stuff was there in between my my first run through when I lost it and my second walk through when I was looking for it, and I never did find that missing glove. So sometimes it's hard when you're like, I just had it. Like what I do with it. And that's sort of how I felt about the, the missing joy and peace. So I looked up peace in the Bible and I was reminded of a couple of verses that I really, really, really love. One is John 14, 27, and this is Jesus talking. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Whenever I read that verse, I feel like I have to like really think about all the different aspects of it. You know, um, peace from God is just different from peace from the world. Um, for me, it always seems like something that's deeper and lasts longer and is more personal and like really solidly built into the inside of me. Um, and it's not as superficial. It's like really deeply connected to the foundation of my life. Um, and whenever I, I read where Jesus is saying, don't be afraid, I always have to think, okay, how do I exactly go about not being afraid when I'm in a situation that I'm struggling with um, different kinds of fears and stuff? And so just a couple pages later, uh, he's still talking to his disciples in uh, John 16, 33. Jesus says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. So... It's another thing I have to keep in mind. There was not a promise that life would be easy, um, but there are ways to get through it that will make it easier and that you can find uh, peace and joy and healing and hope. Another verse that I found was from Romans 18, 14, and 15. 
and it's kind of in the middle of a sentence in the middle of a paragraph, but it's saying that those who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received the spirit of sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. And um, the thing that makes me feel a lot more like I'm getting back to myself and finding the, the peace and the joy inside is that um, whenever I feel afraid, that is not the way that God made me or anyone else. Um, that's part of the world that we live in, but it's not how we were created to be. So anytime that I feel afraid, I can just try to remember, this is not how you know I was meant to be on a daily everlasting basis is fearful. So, you know, how can I get through that? Well, if I believe that I have, um, so my earthly father did the best he could, but it wasn't really a great job. Um, so it was a little bit hard for me to think about, like, so what is God as a father then? Because, you know, how, how great can that be? I don't have any real, um, I don't have anything to compare it to. <laughs> um, so it took me a while, but... When I think about uh, other people that I know who are really great parents, like friends of mine who are really great parents, and I see how they are with their kids, then I'm like, okay, so God loves me the way Simeon loves Elsie and Tilly. You know, he, he loves making them laugh and giving them things and taking care of them and providing for them and spending time with them and playing with them. And he doesn't want them to be afraid. And he doesn't want them to... Um, to be in a position where they're constantly fearful about something. You know, he wouldn't want them to be afraid of a monster in the closet or a monster under the bed, you know, something that just is an ongoing thing. He would want to help them to get through that. And so that's the sort of thing that I'm like, okay, God doesn't want me to be afraid. He is going to help me to get out of this feeling of fear. And I don't know about other people who have gone through burnout, but for me, there, there ends up being more and more things that I get fearful about because I'm just more and more stressed and I'm losing my perspective more and more over time until I start finding a way to, um, to realize that I have burnout and then now I'm working on healing within it and healing myself out of it and finding healing through other sources to get out of it. Now, one of the things that I was thinking about a lot over the last couple of years in particular, um, the last several months, even more in particular, is, wait a minute, um, some of these things, you know, love, joy, peace, they're the fruits of the Spirit. They're the things that are supposed to kind of happen automatically in me the closer I am to God. Uh, like in Galatians 5, 22 and 23, it says, The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And if you know me and you see those things as part of my personality, then you're seeing me at a time when I'm, you know, closer to God than ever. Uh, because... You know, just like a plant planted in good soil with adequate sunlight and water, it's going to grow things. And oh, I just saw the most amazing rose bushes a couple of days ago. I stopped and smelled like at least six of them. I just kept walking a couple of steps, smell another one, a couple of steps, smell another one. These rose bushes, they were gorgeous, gorgeous, gorgeous. And, uh, you know, so I was thinking, 
why am I not, why am I a rose bush and I'm growing fewer roses than I used to? And, and I would be like trying to push myself, okay, you gotta really feel peace now, really feel joy, like reach for it. And it was like trying to force myself to grow this fruit. Um, and it was just hard because I didn't realize why it was a problem. I just didn't understand the problem that I was having. So when I was trying to make myself grow fruits, it, it was helping me because I was staying focused, you know, coming back to that focus of, wait a minute, I know where I should be. And so I want to try to get there, but I couldn't really force myself to, to do it. So, you know, a lot of times I just have to remind myself, okay, I need to ask God, please just, you take care of my prayers. Uh, in Romans 8, 26, it says, the spirit helps us in our weakness. That's what I needed to keep in my head. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the spirit himself intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. And there was a lot of times before I was really realizing what the problem was when all I could say was, God, please just, you know, have the Holy Spirit pray for me because I don't know what to pray for. Just like take prayers out of my heart somehow for me and help it to work because I don't know what to pray for. And it really comes back to, to that verse. Now, I was also doing, um, during my Google searches, I did find one other article um, I'm happy with the Psychology Today articles. I'm happy with the Wikipedia explanation. But I did want to see if there was anything um, about, you know, the Bible and burnout. I know that word isn't in the Bible, but I was curious whether or not anybody, anybody had been writing about it. And I actually found an article called, What Does the Bible Say About Burnout? And again, I'll uh, put that in the show notes so that you can read it or skim it or whatever if you want. Um, so it talks, you know, a little bit about what burnout is. It reminds us of some Bible verses that we may remember, like when Jesus said, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. That comes from Matthew 11. Um, and sometimes... Those are great verses to remind us of what we already know, but it was harder to find um, things that helped me to know what to do. Now that I have, now that I've sort of lost my way with it, like how do I get back to it? Um, so, and then it, it talks a little bit about you know how to, a little bit more about burnout, what it is, um, how it manifests itself. It says it's often the result of self-reliance. So we're trying to do everything ourselves. We're not asking for help. We're not looking for anybody to, to help us out, whether it's spiritually, you know, whether you're talking to God or having a friend to um, ask questions of or vent to or um, hiring someone to do some of the work, even just a little bit of the work um, so that you have a little bit less to do, um, seeing everything as being what you have to do. Um, it talks more about uh, how sometimes uh, one of the causes of burnout can be lack of self-care. And we all know, that we've been talking about it a lot more the last couple of years than I think that we used to. Or maybe it's just because the internet makes it so much easier to talk in a, in a bigger scale. But we all know that um, if we're not eating proper nutrition, if we're not sleeping well and long enough, if we're not getting adequate exercise and movement, you know, you know that I've had a couple of guests on. Uh, Bonnie DePew was talking to us about 
greater cognitive abilities when you have good rest and, and good exercise. Um, so that is another thing that we know we have to keep in, in, in touch with, you know, are we doing enough? Um, but then I, I tend, maybe because it's the, the writer in me, the storyteller in me, um, when you give me a story, sometimes it's just easier for me to remember it. So this article talks about um, Moses and suggested that he, he might have been a victim of burnout, burnout, if not for the wise counsel of his father-in-law, Jethro. And the story from Exodus 18 is that Moses thought he was doing God's will by sitting as the judge and hearing all the people's cases by himself. But his father-in-law was, you know, looking at how many people there were in the community of Israelites and told Moses, you know, this is more than one man can handle. You should get more people to help you. Um, so Moses was in charge of being the leader of the people, but he didn't have to do every single thing for the people. So then uh, he ended up getting some more people, uh, j trustworthy men to become judges and hear people's complaints and, you know, try to have fair, um, you know, fair outcomes when people would come with a, a problem they were having with someone. Um, and so sometimes we have to remember that too, that there needs to be um, other people allowed to use their gifts as well. And that you're not being asked to do everything with your gifts. You're just being asked to do your amount with your gift. And then it reminded, reminded me of another story um, with Moses where he had to raise his hands with his staff um, up over his head during this fight. And as long as uh, he raised his staff over his head. Uh, the Israelites would be winning the fight, but when his arms got tired and, and they kind of came down, then the other side would be winning the fight. And so what happened was is that um, his two his two pe best friends, his brother and his protege, stood at either side of him, and they helped hold up his arms. So, And that is something that a couple of my friends have um, used that example uh, to remind me that I don't have to do everything by myself and that when there are times when I have this big task to do, that they will be there for me, helping me to hold up my arms and win the fight. And I really love the, um, the storytelling example of that because it's so visual and it helps me remember that there are people who are going to help us through. They want to help us through. And it's so important for us to remember that we are people who are helping other people through. Now, wrapping it up, um, it does remind me, though, that there are other verses that make me feel like... Um, this verse doesn't seem to be working for me. So for instance, uh, Proverbs 14.23 says, All hard work brings a profit, but mere talk leads only to poverty. And I said at the beginning, you know, most of us feel like, yeah, that's good wisdom. Um, all of my hard work hasn't been, been bringing a profit financially. So I have to ask myself, is this, is this, is this is from a, a book of wisdom? So it's not like a promise. Um, but it is, in general, you know, a piece of wisdom for us that we should be able to apply. So does that mean that I've been doing all this hard work and because I have not made more money than I've spent, then there has been no profit and no good thing has come out of it? No. No, if you think about it, there's always something in the work that you've done, regardless of whether or not you've made money, that shows that that work was worth doing. 
So I know that I have um, entertained people and uh, everybody needs to be entertained. Everybody needs to be able to get out of the serious headspace they're in, which is one thing that I've been doing to help myself get through this burnout is I've been reading a lot and I just feel so much better just by getting out of my own head for a little while. But um, you know, you have to ask yourself, what are the other things that might be happening? I hope that through this podcast, I am offering information and encouragement and, um, and bringing other writers and editors and stuff in to offer information and encouragement in a way that is making people feel like, I love this, it's helpful. Um, if I ever thought that that wasn't happening, I would probably wrap up the podcast pretty quickly after that. But right now, I believe that that's probably happening, even though I'm not 100% sure. <laughs> um, another proverb from uh, chapter 15, verse 22 and 23, plans fail for lack of counsel, but with many advisors, they succeed. Now, there's a lot to be said for all the people who are out there willing to help us with figuring out, um, for instance, advertising. That's a big thing. Um, how to do this, how to do that, how to edit, how to create a good book cover, how to find a good book cover designer, um, what you can do to make your book formatted the most professionally, like a thousand things. People are out there uh, helping us in one way or another. Uh, maybe they're offering a class or maybe it's a free article on their blog. So um, over time, when you do get enough counselors, um, I think that there is a much higher chance of success. And it, the next verse continues, um, verse 23, a man finds joy in giving an apt reply. And how good is a timely word? And I think that really applies to us, particularly in the writing community and the self-publishing writing community, because we like to help each other. We like to give each other um, highly effective information that will help the other person to accomplish something, do better at something. And it feels really good when we do share information. So that's definitely something that I think we need to keep in mind when we're trying to readjust our attitude about how we feel. Um, am I getting many advisors myself? And am I being somebody else's advisor and helping them out? And then, you know, Verse, uh, Proverbs 16, verse 3, commit to the Lord whatever you do and your plans will succeed. Now, for the longest time, I was praying for my plans to succeed financially. But I have to kind of keep in mind that um, life is not just finances and money and paying your bills and getting out of debt. Um, it's felt like it to me for a really long time, too long. And I think I've just let my perspective get skewed in a way that it was just off enough that I didn't realize how bad it would get. Sort of like um, if you remember from math class, if you have a line going up a, a scale and it's just a little bit off, it won't be a straight line, it'll eventually start going up, up, or down, down, whatever it is, if it's not absolutely straight. And maybe you wouldn't notice it in an inch of the line, or maybe even in a foot of the line. You wouldn't be able to look at it and realize that it wasn't exactly straight. But if it was a mile long, you would be like, well, there's a problem with this line because it started one foot off the ground and now it's six miles off the ground or something like that. So um, we have to just sort of be aware that our perspective might be a little skewed and we need to bring it back in line. So um, if I want to look at this wisdom, commit, your, commit to the Lord whatever you do and your plans will succeed, and I decide that it means 
finances and then it doesn't turn out to be financial success, then I need to think about whether or not my perspective was off and that it isn't just about finances, which I don't think it really is. Because God's agenda for us is bigger than, um, gosh, I think it's another verse in Matthew that talks about, you know, it's bigger than food and shelter and what are we going to eat and what are we going to drink and what are we going to wear? Because God takes care of the the flowers and makes them beautiful. He takes care of the birds and makes sure that they're all fed. Um, so obviously he would take much better care of us even. So why are we worrying about it? <laughs> um, so, you know, there's an awful lot of aspects to this that all together, if we can just start looking again at the different perspectives and try to figure out where do we think that we need to readjust or where is the place that we need healing in or, um, you know, however, whatever the wording is that works for you and that works in your particular situation, I think just being able to ask the questions and search for the answers definitely will lead us to a good place. So with all the ways that I've been finding more peace and more joy, the things I've been looking for, I'll just end with a, a couple of more uh, sections from the Bible that I think have really helped me a lot and that I hope will help you. So from Philippians 4, um, it's uh, verses 4 through 9, Say, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And that's what I was really looking for. How can I get more of the peace of God again? And then it continues, because this is a huge thing that has helped me a lot, continues, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. And then Paul, uh, see, this is Paul, yeah. Um, what, then Paul says, whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. And regardless of what you think spiritually or, you know, um, who, who or what that you believe in, uh, if anything bigger than you, definitely keeping our perspective on things that are positive always will help us to be more positive minded and see the better things instead of the worst things in the world and in our life. And Galatians 6.9 says, let us not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. So regardless of whether it's your writing or something else that's going on in your life, I just think this is really, really helpful. Don't worry. Don't get too tired of doing good things, whether you're helping someone else or writing a book that's going to entertain or inform or help someone. Um, there will be some kind of harvest and it may or may not be what we expect. Maybe it will be that we end up before we die, before we're done with our, our jobs, our careers or whatever we're doing. Um, maybe it's just going to be a matter of before we're done with it all, we'll have affected in a positive way a lot more people than we realize. And that's a harvest worthwhile for me. Um, I still want to 
<laughs> make enough money to pay off my bills and get out of debt. But I can't, I can't say that these other things are not also um, good outcomes that I want to happen. And it helps me to not get too focused on just the money aspect. And Colossians 3.15 says, Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you are called to peace, and be thankful. Three words tacked on, you're called to peace and be thankful. So I think we all have heard this a lot, but are we putting it into practice? Are we trying to focus on the things that we're thankful for? Can we remind ourselves at least once a day to think of at least three things that we're grateful for, genuinely grateful for? And maybe you're not grateful for the situation that you're in because your parent is in the hospital and they're probably not going to come home. But I was super grateful when I was in the hospital with my mom who wasn't going to come home that I got to be there, that I wasn't across the country or, heaven forbid, in another country and not able to see her at all. So no matter the situation, there's always some part of it that you can be thankful for. Or like me today, I'm super crazy thankful that I have been... Um, my husband and I were chosen to move into this brand new apartment building and um, I think it's going to be fabulous. I totally can't wait. And I've said thank you to God like a thousand times. I might not even be exaggerating uh, and it'll definitely be a thousand soon if it's not a thousand yet because I'm so, so happy. So in the midst of this, you know, trying to heal over this burnout thing that I've been learning, I, I'm struggling with, you know, I have lots of things that I am super grateful for, and I don't have to make it a stretch even for some of them. And I'm sure the same is true for you. I feel like maybe I should apologize for the length of this. I actually don't know how long it is at the time that I'm recording it because it's not keeping a timer for me and it's taken me a long time to look up everything and then there's going to be a lot of, you know, just silent bits that I'm going to be editing out. So um, I fear for how long it's going to be and how many people won't even listen to it because they're like, that episode is way too long. But if you saw the title with the word burnout in it, and you're thinking, I wonder if I have that, or I know I have it and I don't know how to get out, or I think my friend has it, I wonder how I can help my friend. Hopefully you haven't found this to be horribly, horribly long, but actually helpful. That's what I really want. Um, I totally understand if people don't get all the way through this because it's not for everybody, um, but it was important to me to share it in case maybe I, one person will be glad that I shared it and then that will make me feel a lot better about my own having to go through it. Um, so to wrap things up, I just want to end with a benediction. Benediction, good words, bena, good diction words. And so it's a blessing and I want you to be blessed. And I hope that um, you find blessing moving forward even more than you've been finding it in your past. So we will end with um, the words of Paul to the Thessalonians in the third chapter, 2 Thessalonians, verse 16. I'm only giving you all these references in case there's anybody who wants to look up what I'm um, referring to because I tend to be annoyed if I can't go look it up and see whether or not I think somebody took something out of context and doesn't really say that, doesn't really mean that in context. So if you're wondering why I keep giving all the Bible verses, that's the only reason. Now, may the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times and in every way. The Lord be with all of you. I love you guys. Have a good week.